Welcome to PS, the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking with members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, and my guest today is Riley Rosbotham, an alum in the class of 2015 from Boulder, Colorado. Riley now lives in Seattle and works as a planner at Barghouse and Consulting Engineers. At Puget Sound, he majored in sociology and anthropology and minored in environmental policy and decision making and music. Today, as always, the Puget Sound podcast is recorded and produced by Moonyard Studio right here in Tacoma. Here's Riley. Riley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been looking forward to this all day. I'm really honored that you asked me to be on. Oh, well, that, just this is so exciting. That's such a nice honor to such a nice thing that makes me feel like a big shot. <laughs> um, hey, I want to start by sort of situating where you are in your life now. Um, and then I thought maybe what we do with our time is we'd sort of reverse engineer your life. So a small task <laughs> um, through your time in college. So give folks an introduction to to your life now. Where in the world are you? What is your profession? Where are you at? Yeah, so I am currently, I'm living in Seattle, um, but actually planning on moving back to Tacoma in the not too distant future. So um but that's where I am now. And I'm working right now uh, for a company called Barghausen Consulting Engineers as uh, an assistant planner. So working on uh, development projects kind of in the Northwest, but also in California and all over the US. Um, and yeah, that's that's where I'm at at the moment. And when you say that you are an assistant planner, mm-hmm. What does that mean? Like, what do you do when you go to work? Yeah, so I am kind of a middleman right now for companies that want to build things. Like, I think I've been working a lot with Dutch Bros Coffee, um, that chain, and then some other companies. And so I'm a middleman between those companies and then local governments and the state governments and the federal government of figuring out how to build things in ways that will be hopefully good for communities that they're being built in and hopefully in ways that won't result in bad impacts on places. What are some of the things you take into consideration when you're thinking about impacts? Is that a environmental situation? Is that a social and gentrification type consideration? Is it, I mean, zoning? I don't understand anything about zoning, but I imagine that's related. Yeah. So a little bit of everything. I, um, my focus is, is actually on zoning and kind of on what can go where, which is essentially all zoning is, which is just so exciting. (laughs) I'm going to get to learn. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I've hopefully honed my way of talking about this over the years of thinking about planning, but Um, essentially, yeah, what can go where is zoning and then how you build things in certain areas of zoning. So whether, you know, a building can be up to a certain height or how far back it has to be from the street and that kind of stuff. And then what I've recently got into, which is a lot more intimidating and new to me is all of the environmental stuff. Um, and you know, this is the distance that you can build from a wetland, or if you build closer, you have to 
do stuff to uh, mitigate the impacts and help the wetland thrive. Or now I'm looking at like health and safety stuff. So fire code and building code to make sure buildings don't fall down or catch on fire. (laughs) We all appreciate your good work (laughs) in that regard. Um, So help me kind of understand the process. When you get started, you get a document, some sort of proposal from a company or an organization, or it sounds like not an individual, but maybe an individual that wants to build something. Yeah, go ahead. What what happens? Yeah. So with my role at Barkhausen, I typically don't work with individuals. I work more with companies. And so they kind of have the luxury of getting to start from a place of we're looking at this site to build something and we're going to have you go through the feasibility process and figure out how much it's going to cost to build it, how long it's going to take to get through all the entitlements and approvals, um, and all of the different steps in that process, and whether there's anything that might come up during that process that would kill the project. Um, So that's how it gets started, essentially. And how does it finish? When when you are handing it off, what do you produce and give to somebody else? Yeah, so I... In my role, what I'll be doing is coordinating all of the different applications and submittals and permits up until the point that construction actually begins. And then a construction contractor takes over from there and is actually responsible for scheduling the building of of whatever project it is. And how did you learn to do all this? I mean, I imagine there's a degree of expertise and skill involved in making sure a building doesn't fall down. You'd be surprised. No. <laughs> um, I did go to planning school for it, which helped. Um, so a lot of the like zoning stuff uh, and more sort of big picture ideas about how it all fits together were something that I went to school for. But then all of the more detail-oriented stuff about timelines and specifics of building codes and that kind of stuff is all really new to me and I've really just been figuring it out on the job um, yeah and when you say planning school mm-hmm. that um, is a master's degree of some sort yes yeah, yeah. I, um, master's of urban and regional planning uh, at the University of Colorado in Denver and that I think is a path that a lot of Puget Sound students find themselves on where they have an undergraduate experience, they study something, they work for a little bit after college, and then kind of zero in on a profession or a career that's interesting to them that requires more study or a professional degree. But one of the things that stuck out to me about you in thinking about the conversation we were going to have today mm-hmm. is that looking at your academic, your undergraduate academic experiences, so you were a sociology and anthropology major, an environmental policy and decision making minor and a music minor. I mean, sociology, anthropology, and environmental policy does sort of seem like you planned for this <laughs> outcome. Those seem like really relevant fields. Did you have at all an inkling that this was where you might want to go as you were at Puget Sound? I did it when I chose those, when I chose that major and those minors. I didn't know I wanted to go into planning. I knew I was interested in sociology and environmental studies. Um, but then uh, actually in a sociology class that I took called political ecology at UPS, that was when I realized that urban planning was a field and decided to, to pursue it. So, yeah. 
tell me a little bit about, if you remember, that political ecology class. Like, how did that lead to you realizing that urban planning was a thing? Yeah, I remember in that class, um, we talked about, um, I believe we were talking about uh, Qatar um, and the city of Doha in Qatar. And uh, one of the focuses of the class was how car oriented that city is and, and how it's designed to be. And, and because it's mostly a lot of it has been designed sort of brand new, totally within the last maybe couple of decades. It's all designed around these um, highway corridors and then these smaller grids. And so the focus of that class was about how that method of design promoted uh, car usage and then how that can be uh, detrimental to the environment because just the way that the city is designed makes more people drive cars. Um, and so I got really interested in it from that environmental perspective. And you were, a, what year in school were you when you took that class? That was actually my senior year. So you sort of have, is it too grandiose to call it an epiphany? More realization? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have a realization that 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 somebody has to make those decisions about is a city car oriented or pedestrian oriented. And then even had you translated that into I think I want to go get a planning degree or were you more still at the phase of I think I'd like to think about communities and in a more abstract way how they work. Yeah, I think I at that point I realized that I was really interested in the kind of concrete aspect of it um, that I think I'm not great at wrapping my mind around uh, sort of more high level ideas in some ways. So maybe sociology wasn't the best degree for me, but, um, <laughs> but I think taking that class made me realize that urban planning, the actual study of the built environment was something that I wanted to pursue. And I actually did decide pretty early on that I wanted to get a, a master's degree in that. Knowing that, what motivated you to work immediately after college instead of going right into your graduate program? Yeah, I think I definitely didn't want to go into an urban planning degree without getting some work experience. And I think one thing that I, I learned through the sociology program at UPS was to be really careful of ivory tower ideas and to really figure out how to put into practice things that will be practical and that will work and that will actually benefit people and not just be, um, you know, high minded ideas that don't actually do any good. <laughs> and I I hope that working a little bit after college helped a little bit with that. How do Theme Row, Ka'ohana Meike Aloha's annual luau, and the roar of a chainsaw in Baker Stadium connect? Hi, I'm Mike Rodersman, Associate Director of Admission and a Puget Sound alum from the class of 1999. And all three of these things that I listed are Puget Sound traditions that date back to even before I was in school. 
To learn more about traditions and special events, head to pugetsound.edu slash stories. Now back to P.S., the Puget Sound Podcast. So what was your first job after college? Yeah, so I um, worked through uh, AmeriCorps for Urban Grace Church, um, and I was their community involvement coordinator, and Urban Grace Church is in Tacoma, which is exciting. Um, uh, and so what I, I was in charge of all of their community outreach um, for social programs that they had, so I wasn't involved in the religious ministry side of it at all. Um, but I was helping to coordinate programs like they have an annual Halloween party um, for kids with the church and then also uh, kids with the Tacoma Rescue Mission will come. And then I also coordinated the, uh, uh, for a week at a time, they host families uh, experiencing homelessness uh, through the Family Housing Network. So I coordinated that as well. Did that change the way you thought about Tacoma going from a student at Puget Sound, even a very thoughtful student at Puget Sound, to being involved with such a meaningful pillar of the community? Definitely. Yeah, I think at UPS, I had been really involved in school, and I hadn't really explored the community that much. And working for Urban Grace and working in Tacoma was really helpful for getting to know getting to know the city really well and just feeling like a better citizen and a better part of Tacoma as opposed to someone who happened to live there. Mm. And I think that's something that if you're a college student, very much through no fault of your own, but it's really easy. And I think oftentimes totally appropriate for your first community to be college. Like it's a lot of work to move from Boulder and come to Tacoma, a place where you likely did not know that many people and make connections and make some friends and find some professors that are going to be faves and friends and partners to you. Um, and I think it, it it's often the case that for a student who stays in Tacoma after they graduate, they realize they are having a really different experience of the space and the community than they did as a student. Definitely. And I think, especially because uh, a good percentage of people, I feel like, stick around in Tacoma after graduating, it's nice to have that base of community. And then from there, you have the, the safety to kind of branch out into other other communities. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking about the student experience pre-graduating, take us through some of the things that you were involved in on campus. One of the the themes that has come up a lot on the podcast is this idea of a lot of Puget Sound students sort of incrementally building up an and list. So I'm a this major and a this minor and I'm in this program and I have this hobby. Um, and, and take us through what that looks like for you. What characterized your time at Puget Sound? Yeah, I think, I think my combination of like a kind of bizarre variety of different majors and minors led me into a lot of different things. So I'd say the music part of it um, was pretty big for me. So I was involved in orchestra for a couple of years and I did um, some chamber music uh, courses. Um, and so that was, that was a big part of it. And I took violin lessons throughout my whole uh, time at UPS. 
And then uh, another big part of my experience was I was in uh, Greek life. I was in Sigma Chi uh, for the whole time as well. And as you think about that, I imagine the music you expected, like, mm-hmm. did that experience more or less look like what you anticipated your college experience looking like? Or did you find that it unfolded in a direction very different from what you expected? Yeah, I think I definitely did not expect to join Greek life. That was something that I definitely was not considering. Um, and it ended up uh, it ended up for me personally being a really good experience. And I, I felt like I got to know, or I, I think kind of what you're talking about with UPS being a really safe grounding community um, when you're in, when you're coming to a new city, I think Sigma Chi was kind of a safe grounding community for me within UPS. Mm-hmm. Who I think I, I tend to be, um, anxious in groups of people. And so it felt really nice to have sort of a core group of people to, to help me through. And I believe you also studied abroad, right? Ecuador? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did um, an ecology and conservation program in Ecuador for a semester, which is, which is great. <laughs> Tell me about it. Like what, what, what did you do? Where did you go? Yeah, so um, it was through uh, an organization called SIT. And so we were based out of Quito, which is uh, the capital city. And we got to do uh, week-long excursions to various uh, environments because it was focused on ecology. So we would go up into the cloud forest for a week, um, do a homestay there, and then come back. Uh, we went into the Amazon for a week, did a homestay, and then came back. And we went to the Galapagos, and then came back. And so it was a lot of getting to experience all these different environments. And then also, it was really interesting to have that focus on conservation, because each place we went, we kind of saw how people were impacting each environment. So uh, Ecuador, uh, Ecuador's Amazon has big oil reserves. So one of the things that we did while we were in the Amazon was went to uh, sites where they were drilling uh, for oil and were burning off natural gas. And it was pretty intense to see that happening. Um, And at times that was happening within national parks in Ecuador. So it's like just this kind of environmental degradation happening even in these places that were supposed to be protected. So. Yeah, I was going to ask, is that allowed? Like, is that something <laughs> that's supposed to be happening in a national park? That's a good question. I think it's like not technically supposed to be allowed, but I think their president at that time was mm. kind of giving it the green light. So, yeah. <laughs> and and thus people did it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Are there... Um, things that you carry with you from that experience. Like one of the things that's so interesting to me about study abroad is for so many people, it's such a flagship college experience. Maybe one of the things I get the most questions about from prospective students is I think I want to go abroad or I think I want to go to this place. What should I, Mm -hmm. how can I do that? Um, 
Now on the other side of that experience, as you think about it, are there things that stick out to you as the, the primary things that you have taken away from it, if anything? What was worthwhile about studying abroad was, I think what I was talking about earlier a little bit with wanting to work before going to grad school and that idea of, um, you know, you, you learn about a lot of concepts in college and I think studying abroad if the program has done well, can really help you connect with issues on the ground in a way that is hard to when you're just in a classroom. Um, and I really felt that to be the case with my study abroad experience. And I think that's something that a lot of classes at UPS try to do individually as well. Um, but I think study abroad is kind of a foolproof way to do that. That's how I felt. I, I coincidentally, I was also a sociology and anthropology major. Um, and I studied abroad in Madagascar. And I remember I, it, the, uh, my program had been focused on urbanization and rural development. And when I came back, the next semester, I was enrolled in a class called Cultural Politics of Global Development with Professor Monica DeHart. Um, and on the very, like on day one, she had us do this exercise where we sort of wrote about what we thought development was, like what did development do? Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember thinking about everything I had learned about and seen and experienced in person. And it very much impacted my perspective on how I thought about some of these theoretical issues in the classroom because I had this lived example I could apply some of those ideas to and where I could sort of think about, okay, how would this play out? in this in this space that I experienced yeah yeah I really felt the same way where it does kind of shift your how you think about the the ideas that you're getting Riley I want to ask you kind of the same question but on a different scale which is thinking about your college experience as a whole are there you know knowledge or relationships or experiences that you have really taken with you into your life from Puget Sound well relationships definitely <laughs> um yeah I have definitely taken a lot of friendships out of my time with UPS and then also my fiance Rachel Sugar also went to UPS and mm -hmm. we met there so that's a pretty pretty big one um, I was gonna say if you didn't mention your fiance <laughs> I would have mentioned your fiance for you yeah, yeah. one of your best friends it's probably important it's true she's one of my best friends and I think we would have both gotten in a lot of trouble if we made it through this <laughs> and asked about enduring relationships and didn't mention your engagement <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so that um I definitely I mean obviously that and then also all the other people that I met at UPS who um, have just become really, really close friends uh, has been great. Um, and then in terms of knowledge that I got from UPS, I think maybe this is a cliche, but I feel like UPS does kind of help you learn how to think in some sense. I don't think that's like the best way to put it because, you know, you however you think is, you know, where you're at at any point. But I think that I, at UPS, I learned how to sort of turn the, like, turn a knob in my brain to be able to look at things from a different perspective or to, to not 
get defensive when I'm prevented when I'm presented with a, a different way of looking at things or a different worldview. Um, and I think I really got that from UPS. That's such a good way of putting that. Thanks. Yeah, I might steal the knob in the brain. <laughs> that feels true for me too. Hmm. And I think I now I have to think about how to say this, but I remember the moment in my senior year where I just sort of realized like, oh, not that I got smarter so much, but like that I just got sharper. Like my questions were a little sharper that I asked. They were a little more interesting. They were a little more advanced that I could put together like a a more complicated answer or sort of hold competing ideas in my head at the same time in a way that I could do in high school, but was less, um, intuitive for me or like you've said maybe a little less like I could opt into doing it or not Mm -hmm. um and that just continues to stick out to me so I use that all the time in my job I imagine you do too in your job I mean I imagine there's all kinds of competing interests in your work that you have to think about how to balance yeah definitely I I think that one of the ways that that has been really helpful in my work but also has made my work really difficult in some ways is that I can see the ways that certain things that I'm doing in work can be good on one level but harmful on another level like I think that kind of one that comes up in planning a lot and I don't know not to get back to planning too much but no please let's um is that you know it's uh, in, in planning, like, there are requirements for um, uh, emergency fire fire engines to get into places. And so you have to have roads be a certain width and have a certain turning radius. And it's like, I can see that that's important. But then on the other hand, that influences the whole rest of the design of whatever it is you're doing, which can have all these unintended consequences of spacing things out more or um, basically can result in development turning out a way that you didn't expect or didn't necessarily want just for this one reason, which seems like a really good reason, but then it, you know, it uh, turns into something else. So I think, I hope that's a helpful example, I guess, for how it's kind of made it so I can see certain things, but also be less clear about what's the right answer and what would be the best overall. And I think getting comfortable with that as an outcome, I don't want to speak for you, but that was a big thing for me to realize it could be okay for your outcome, not to be like, there's clearly a best. (laughs) Definitely. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, surprise, it turned out that's how the world works. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Riley, the last thing I want to ask you about is something that I have not been able to figure out how to slide in smoothly as we're talking, but I can't let you leave without asking you about this. Uh-huh. In the, the bullet points you sent me, I asked you to email me things that you had been involved in at school or things that you were doing now. And I'm going to read verbatim a sentence that you put in that email. Sure. I also have been playing music pretty consistently with Barry Goldstein, a geology <laughs> professor, and this feels like a good thing to talk about. <laughs> um, I 
100% concur <laughs> that that is a good thing to talk about. And I want to know how you, uh, sociology and anthropology, environmental policy and music minor, ended up playing music with a geology professor. <laughs> yeah, I went to, well, I was taking, uh, I think it was an intro to geology class, although Barry will probably remember that it's not something else and hear this and correct me later on. But um, I was coming from a violin lesson and I brought my violin into class and Barry points at it and says, do you fiddle? And I was like, well, yeah. And he was like, do you want to play? And I was like, sure. What kind of music do you play? <laughs> he plays bluegrass and jazz and Celtic and all different kinds of music. So uh, we started playing while I was in college and then it kind of ramped up once I had time when I finished college. And then we brought on Nicola Anders, who's another UPS student, and played with her. And we played at some coffee shops. And it's been great. <laughs> and, I mean, I guess the pandemic has changed this. But mm -hmm. is this a vibe of, like, we get together and play for ourselves and occasionally we gig? Or is it mostly, like, we're going to play a coffee shop or we're going to play a event of some sort? I think it's kind of transitioned back and forth a little yeah. bit. It definitely started out as just we're jamming and then we got a little more serious about it and started planning out set lists and that kind of stuff. And now I think we're very much back to just we're playing for fun. Mm. And what a um, just delightful thing for you to have just sort of gone to class with a violin <laughs> and for Barry to see that as like, I play music that sounds good with the violin. What is, does he play guitar, banjo? Yeah, yeah guitar. guitar. Yeah, like, yeah, like that sounds good with the violin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was really, I'm really glad that he said something. And it's so nice that it's continued too because you moved back to Colorado for grad school and then returned and just what a nice through line. Yeah, yeah. Riley, we end every episode by asking everybody the same four questions. Mm -hmm. First question is, where's your favorite spot on campus? I think my favorite spot on campus is in the library on the second floor. When you go up the stairs, make a right and then kind of do a U-turn around to the right. And there's like a set of couches there mm -hmm. that are always really cozy and feel really friendly. So. I know exactly what you mean, uh, and it's an excellent choice. <laughs> Second question is, what are you reading right now? I am unfortunately between books. I won't lie about that, but I did just finish um, Swing Time by Zadie Smith, which I really enjoyed. Where is the best place to eat in Tacoma? Uh, Galangatai. And lastly, Riley, why is Puget Sound special? I think it's special, I think, a, well, what I remember kind of most vividly from Puget Sound is like an April day when the sun has come out for one of the first times in weeks and it's 60 degrees and everybody goes out and it just smells really good and it's really nice. <laughs> Riley Rosbotham, thank you for joining me on the Puget Sound podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Elena.
for listening to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for P.S., the Puget Sound podcast.